and welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Judith Rizzio, I am so happy to have you as my guest for She's the Boss Chats. Thank you so much for agreeing to do it. It's it's truly my pleasure. I've been looking forward to this for a very long time. Well, let's start off by telling everybody what you do because you really are an amazing woman. So let's talk about your business or what you're doing right now. Okay. Do you want me to dive in? I want you to dive in and tell everybody about what's on your website and what you do right now. Okay. Well, I have a a very fun business that is called Out of Our Closet, and I am a style activist. I actually trademarked that um, because when I started thinking of myself as a stylist, I realized it really wasn't the normal understanding of that term with what I do because so much of what I wanted to do as a stylist was to gently – and yet, uh, you know, mindfully push against the commerce and the privilege of fashion and styling that normally is, you know, you have to be the right age, the right gender, the right size. And the right shape. Uh, you know, <laughs> I was just going to say, and the right shape and also have the right amount of money yes. to, have, to have the right and privilege to look beautiful in your clothes and in your body and in the world. And I thought, you know, enough of that. And I experienced this by all my life loving fashion and enjoying clothes and, and, and making a lot of my clothes, also being a customer um, right. for many, many years. And yet when I found that as I was getting older, so much of fashion, uh, be it on media, in stores, in the world, as people looked at me, was getting less and less, not a part of my life, not by my choice, but by a lot of it, what was happening um, in those worlds around me. Um, You know, as we know, and this is just a truth, most of fashion still to this day, yes, it is changing, is still focused on youth concepts of what fashion and body image is. Yep. And as and we also, know, and then, go ahead. And then add to that, that whole thing that is always in the back of my mum's mind. She talks about it. And and a lot of women talk about that, you know, I don't want to dress as, what is it, mutton dressed as lamb. So there's that whole thing, which is just rubbish, obviously, <laughs> yes. um, that people are fighting against as well. Uh, I, I have not used that. heard that phrase. That is so much a part oh, of it. Oh, haven't you? <laughs> That's fabulous. Oh, yeah. yeah that, you don't hear that in the States. So, but now I'm going to, you know, um, <laughs> definitely take and run with that. But anyway, you're exactly right. And, and that's something I have to push against all the time with yeah. the, the people that I style, which a lot, it's not, I really, I, I work with people of all ages. I truly do. Um, but my favorite and the thing I like to focus on is women 55, 50 and older, and also the trans uh, community um, that I have many connections with and is a community now that's finally literally coming out of their closet to yes. uh, be in the world <laughs> and look beautiful in their new selves. 
Absolutely. Gosh, I I just love what you do, um, Judith. And the idea that, you know, as we get over 50 and we, we're postmenopausal, our bodies change in such a strange way oh. that you really do need to kind of restyle <laughs> yourself. And, yes. and, and it's it's a hard thing to do for a lot of women. So uh, and it's a hard thing to especially accept. I know many women that literally will not look at themselves in a mirror. Um, and it which breaks my heart. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it is. And it's a, the first thing I have to say is, you know, one thing is that that is, let's start there because you're never going to know how you look unless you're able to look at yourself back at you and, and feel okay about that. And it might take time and I won't push, but this is so important. And so it has that double layer, you know, it's not just like, I'm going to put you in some wonderful clothes, new things or things that we find thrifting, you know, and you're going to automatically, I mean, if you don't like your body, you're never going to feel comfortable, you know, in your own skin, let alone your own clothes. That's right. And of course, if you really want to have some style, then you're also going to stand out because there are so many people who don't um, embrace that and try and disappear. So you really do need to kind of embrace the fact that you're also going to look fabulous and other people are going to notice it. So, um, yeah, I just love it, Judith. Yes. I want to say use the word disappear and and way before that became even uh, something you hear a lot more. I started saying that a good 10 years ago, if not um, you know, more than that. that. And yes, it, what I said was all the time as my sort of byline is designing a personal fashion style so that you don't disappear. Yes. Um, and I and, just love yeah. that. Love yes. that. Okay. Now, Judith, I want to hear about your career because I have actually had a chat with you and I know you've done incredible things. So um, we're going to start, I don't know if, you, if you're if you up for this, but we're going to start when you were a little girl <laughs> and basically you can tell me all the different things you've done in your career to date. Okay. So um, where did you grow up? What sort of a family was it? Yeah. Tell me that first. I'm in Jersey, East Coast, Sicilian, Italian. Um, wow. And, you know, my grandparents all came through Ellis Island, so I'm just second generation here. And uh, with that came, though, um, with my father, it was very interesting, actually. Uh, he was a gruff and tumble Sicilian, let me tell you, but he loved beautiful clothes. And we didn't have a lot uh. of money, but I remember getting both for holidays of Christmas and Easter, beautifully made. Custom made out of uh, Newark, New Jersey, uh, matching outfits uh, with my sisters uh, for both of those and how beautiful they were made. And honestly, I, at a very young age, looked at that and loved the little beauty of them, the buttons, and it was just stunning. And they were a treat that we waited for. And then I learned how to sew very early on. Very early. How old were you when you learned to sew? Fifth grade. And oh, I was right. fifth grade, but my grandmother, who was an amazing woman, she also happened to be a back in that time a very closeted lesbian woman. But <laughs> I think a lot of who she was and making statement was also through her clothes and loving wonderful clothes and you know and having very tailored suits and uh. both suits with pants you know in the and that she wore um but just controversially absolutely <laughs> in those days. and but she also loved to travel 
Um, okay. And she, everywhere she went, she would bring home beautiful, an outfit, and I would just love looking in her her closet and she was the one that had the sewing machine and she got me started on learning how to do very simple things and then home came along which made me a better sewer and a more trained sewer. Also, home ec is sewing in America. We did home ec when I was at school and it was the cooking classes. That we called it home ec here, and you, and right. you did both cooking and it, you you walked away with an ap- <laughs> yes, and <laughs> we, everyone us made for life. aprons absolutely, <laughs> and I learned how to do that. But then I realized if I wanted to have more clothes, we got there were five of us in my family. I'm the middle child. Um, right. I babysat. I would take that money, go to the fabric store, and for five dollars, which would take a while to save up, I could get fabric a pattern thread zipper normally and yeah. for five dollars um, amazing and, yes you can hardly get a spool of thread these days for that um, no. <laughs> yeah it's true but the thing that was amazing is I would look in magazines I I, I got back then teen was it teen magazine I'm forgetting right. now 17 17 oh, magazines yes, yes that was it and I would study them just like we sort of do now you know it was it was like my pinterest board right yeah. and i and i'd cut out you know the clothes i liked and then i'd go and find patterns that were that way and i would make right. my clothes one of my favorite outfits during the 60s was a vinyl mini skirt it literally had that sheen to it vinyl yeah. and with a and i with a Big, I got a big white belt, which was almost the same size as my skirt. It was so short. Um, <laughs> and I remember just feeling, I am just so hot in this thing. It uh, sounds that, really hot. You probably it, were. Uh, I, I, it was, yes. It had daisies, neon green, and pink flowers on it. And check this out. I was the height of fashion. I got neon pink fishnets both. Lime, wow. chartreuse, and hot pink wore them over each other, so it matched the skirt. Let me tell you. Oh my goodness! You would have got so many comments. Are you kidding? I thought I was just amazing in that. Um, anyway, and then I moved on in years as a raging hippie. Um, I started looking at what I could do with all the leftover fabric, and I made money creating patch jeans people would give me their jeans uh, so we're in the 70s now sort we of are is now that the, we're yep. moving into the 70s here and i would 50 cents a patch patch jeans right. um, and Clever. for people matter of fact one of my claim to fames is i patch jfk jr's jeans Stop it! Yeah, I did. How did, my, how did you end up? How did you end up doing that? My, I had a friend. My friend Janie Jones had a had a place in the Nantucket area where the JFK, um, the family he, sold holiday yeah, home or whatever. Absolutely, yep. you see pictures of that all over. And yeah. he would hang out with the hippies, and we would sort of sort of do the same. And he saw me in my jeans and said. Those are amazing jeans. And I said, yeah, I, I put the patches on them. And and he said, oh, will you do that for me? And I said, sure. And so that's how that happened. Wow. Um, but but it, it didn't con- continue forever. But that's what I did uh, one summer for a lot so, of the so was rich that, hippies up there. So, Judith, yes. um, was that 
after you left school. So did you go right the way through school? This was in high school. Right. Um, okay. I did that. And then in high school still, I loved um, – um, oh, my gosh. Come on, Judith. This is – it went right out of my head. Oh, famous, it happens to me all the time. Famous Patty um, – Patty Smith? Yes, thank you. Patty no Smith, I loved how she dressed. Yeah. And I read in the Rolling Stone that she got all of her clothes at a Salvation Army uh, uh, store in um, the Bowery of New York yeah. City. And I lived right outside of it. So I would skip school. Yep, high school. Oh, and get on the, and get on the bus for a dollar and sixty cents into New York, and I would just dive into the bins there. And it was me and very poor people, or as we called them back then, winos. Terrible, but you know the winos of the yeah. Bowery. That was what people called okay. basically the the homeless there. Um, they uh, would be with me, and I would find amazing fabric. Sometimes a lot from the turn of the century. Remember, wow. in the 70s, my grandparents were getting rid, rid of their grandparents' stuff. Ah, uh, right. Okay. Gotcha. I actually found a Civil War jacket in complete. Stop it. I swear, in complete tatters, of course, but I took the buttons off of it. Yeah. And because again, it seems like how could that be? Well, we're talking seventies. My, you know, it, you just go back two generations, and they had that stuff in their attics or basements. So it wow. was an amazing time, and I'd come home with huge bags. I would wash all of it, and then remake that fabric from into like remember granny dresses that we yes. would make. And for myself and sometimes for friends, and they would pay me. So that's how right. I started and early on understood because I didn't have my – I was on my own from 18 and on, frankly, the end of my 17th year because uh, I did uh, run away from home. Um, oh, and I, I was going to say what happened. Yeah, yeah okay. I did. I had to – for many reasons, it was time for me to go. Um, and I went uh, and – Basically, that's how I made a lot of my living was was making clothes um, when I went to Evergreen State College uh, for for people. I actually spent a summer before college um, um, in a commune in Maine. This is 1970. You are so cool, Judith, honestly. Oh, yeah. it, was, it was on Sebago Lake in Maine and I, we made Muslim clothes. And right. I sewed the, the the peasant blouses, and also embroidered on them along with another person. And oh my god! And then we made also leather clothes, and I embroidered on leather. So it was always a part of my passion and love, and and actually skill at a very young age. And it's so yes. sad now that younger people, uh, it, there's a big, it, there's a new love for it and passion, but that they people don't know how to sew. No, I have a, no idea how to. And I have yes. a very clear recollection that my mum had a singer sewing machine. Uh -huh. And when I was about eight, I found a black dress that she had started making for me as a child that she'd uh -huh. never finished. And I didn't even know she could sew. That's wild. But that's very common, these stories. And so, you know, it was it's, it really was a part of my life in ways that uh, I've been able to use 
to this day, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, I finished another fantastic dress with material that came from the 70s. I have a collection in my basement um, that I honestly have fabric that I still, it was so well protected, it won't rip from um, the 30s all the way up. Amazing. And in fact, um, uh, let me encourage anyone who's listening. What is that video that shows your closet where they did the interview that you sent to me? Where was that? How can we tell people if they want to go and see it? Absolutely. You want to go to Vice Media. Yeah. um, And they did a video of me. They call it a mini documentary. Um, And you can... Look up my name, Judith Rizzio, and look up vintage. Look up vintage clothes or vintage Judith Rizzio, Rizzio R-I-Z-I-O, and it will come up. And Amazing. And it is quite fun because they do show me actually sewing. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a really, really great little mini um, documentary. Okay, so we're back in the 70s now. Yes. Um, you've left school. You've yes. been doing all the patches. You've moved out of home. What happened next? I went to Evergreen State College in um, Olympia, Washington. That's how I got out of, of the East Coast to the West Coast and never returned. Um, oh, and right. when I was um, when I was there, I did a lot of, of sewing as well always did. Um, but then I got, um, very long story short, I, I trained with the San Francisco mime troupe in San Francisco in 1976 because I did political theater. I've always been an activist and, <laughs> and, and, and then I got recruited, um, yeah. was called on the phone by a company that was training with me from Portland, Oregon. We all returned after our summer training in 76 and they said, look, we need, we need another woman in our company. Will you come? And I joined that company and I was one of the main customers. I also acted, but I was a customer for that and started getting into, you know, creating costumes and continuing my love of that. And then all along, here's a very important thing way before now it's huge in the states and i think it's getting um even bigger um outside of the states in the world going to thrift stores and yes my son my son taught me the term thrifting i haven't heard of it before oh it's huge it's been actually quite big uh in the states for a very long time but now a matter of fact it's so big here that all the good stuff is now being snatched up so quickly because you have these buyers very young i mean i'm not i'm not pushing against this people need to make livings but they take the or anything that is considered vintage and check this out Jules you can relate you know what's vintage now supposedly things from the 80s and the 90s <laughs> I know I keep seeing it and I remember so clearly in the 80s saying to a friend yes. you know gosh uh, one day people will be talking about the 80s being something and I can't think of anything that makes us stand out compared to the 60s and the 70s and yeah. they found it you know now they, you suddenly go yeah new yeah. romance that whole look was a an yes. 80s thing I'd forgotten about at the time yes and so um anyway that you know that was a passion all the way through and it and it was the way I also survived to look fashionable I I was able to again to see what was out there 
get a pattern and sew it um, or go into thrift stores and find, um, you know, really great clothes and and retrofit them to myself. Um, I'm short. And you're you're an amazing model for them as well because you just Uh, look stunning in all of them. So now let's wind on to the 80s and, you know, the awful AIDS epidemic that came. Yes. um, And how you got involved in helping those people. Yes, absolutely. Matter of fact, it goes back to in the 70s when I was in that training. And in that training, there were various political theater companies, the San Francisco Mime Troupe, um, Teatro Campesino from, you know, Mexico. And then there was a group out of San Francisco called um, the United Fruit Company. Which, okay. of course, is an actual company, but it was a, of course, double entente with a gay rights male oh, theater fruit. company. Gotcha. Got it? Yep, and it yep, was brilliant. It. <laughs> and there were 13 um, gentlemen, uh, all gay, that were a part of that. And How brave they were even back in those days to even oh, let people know that they were gay. It was even huge, it was and, their, and their yeah, plays huge. were powerful. And in the company that I was in, we also had um, a wonderful play about gay rights, and also we had a great play just very quickly that I was in called "Who Stole the Umbilical Cord," and <laughs> so much of what it was about has a lot to do with what is happening now. In, especially in the United States in regards to that right of choice being taken away from us. Uh. Anyway, but with that said, um, within uh, that was in 1976 that I worked with those gentlemen and went to shows and actually double-billed with them when I would tour down in San Francisco. And all of a sudden, I had a friend that was in that group in 1979 at the end of that he died very quickly. Um, right. And then within two to three years from that point on, 11 out of the 13 men in that company oh, no. died from what we young, know now but, as HIV. Young men. Yeah. Yes. Oh. And so as an activist, I got involved, but my I got a job. You know, I was doing other – oh, by the way, during that time – for 10 years, I ran resale shops, thrift stores. Oh, okay. Yes, for thrift stores that gave money to the American Cancer Society, as well as um, the YWCA. And we call that Wise Buys, Y apostrophe S, Wise Buys. And boy, did I get great things. As well as that's when I started getting experience of working with the drag community, the trans community, uh, the cross-dressers, as we used to call them back then, the transvestites, as we used to call them back then. Um, And because they would come in and walk around and say, oh, and I say, can I help you? And they say, well, I'm buying for my mother. (laughs) <laughs> or I'm, you know, and then they and, choose something totally outrageous. <laughs> and I, I knew right away, and so I just would say because I could see it was very hard, and the stigma was so hard because they didn't yeah, want to take okay. those clothes into the dressing room, right? So I would say, you know, if you ever want to come by, I can see the style that you're liking. I close at four. Just come by, knock on the door, and um, and we can go shopping. And it was sort of code uh. saying, don't worry, you don't have to do this now. Come on, I'll see you after hours and we'll have fun. And I yeah. was doing that in the 80s. 
Um, wow. And it oh, was I'm getting a, goosebumps it was just a you really, saying that. I mean, you know, and you're speaking to how hard it was to just be who they were and yeah, how they yeah. wanted to, to look in the world and, and in their bodies. And it was a real eye-opener for me um, also. But I also think having a grandmother, um, and also yeah. you should know, I'm bisexual. I knew that at a very young age. And I think my grandmother knew that. Of course, I knew that. But I could never express that in my life. And it's also been hard because I'm very happily married in what looks like a very hetero, you know, neutral situation to a wonderful person, Jim. Um, but I'm yeah. still, that doesn't make me not bisexual. And I have to say, it was very tough because some of my worst enemies, I shouldn't say enemies, but cr- criticism you I got. You can say was, enemies. Well, because I don't want because it was the gay community. They would say, you know, it's easy for you. You can you can saddle, you know, the fence, you know. Be, yeah, yeah. When, when, it's, when it's fun for you to be gay, you can be gay. When it's fun for you to be straight and play straight, you can. And I'd say – Whereas they had no choice. Yes. And I yeah. think that – yes, exactly. And thank goodness that has changed. I'm yes. so proud and happy of the more fluidity um, – of our times now and the non-binary uh, focus that we have now on, on not just on everything, gender, sexuality, how you express yourself. It's, I must say, it's very freeing. Anyway, with that said. And it's about time. Oh, dear goodness. I mean, <laughs> it that's took just, so long. Yes. And it's still, I mean, in, there's some, in Florida, though, you're not allowed to say the word gay. In no, no. Well, I have to say Tasmania, which is one of our states, I think homosexuality became legal in like 1992 or something. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, I know. It's yeah, these bizarre it, sort of weird laws. Are, I that, mean, yeah. Anyway, yeah. anyway yeah. so I moved into, so with that said, but in 1989, um, I had a friend called me and said, Judith, there's a HIV AIDS facility for people dying with HIV um, in in Portland and they need a a director of volunteers. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do that anymore. I did that for 10. She said, Judith, you want to do it. And that's how I got involved because I did want to do it. And I did that for 26 years. I was involved in doing not just volunteer work, but community relations on management teams of two of the largest HIV agencies in Portland, Oregon. And it was amazing. And it it just shaped my life in so many ways. Um, It's not all, it was very hard. Very hard um, sometimes, Heartbreaking, but mostly, I would have thought. Excuse me? Heartbreaking, I would have thought, oh, in lots of ways. To see I, these young men dying it, is Yeah, it was awful. it was unbelievable. It, it just, not that numbers should matter, but I, I saw just in the time I was at um, the facility where people were going, um, I saw over 400 uh, predominantly gay men, not all not all, um, die from this disease. And many of them, not many, 400. but yeah. And, uh, and, but I had many friends and it was the hardest part was watching in many ways. Sometimes, um, the mothers, especially, you know, go through this and the parents go through yeah. this. And I was, uh, I, you know, having sons myself and being a bit older than the other staff, I would sit with the mothers and the families quite a bit because um, they would come and stay weeks at a time sometimes while they were watching their 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 child um, move through this, as well as the spouses, um, and uh, which were predominantly um, 
men, not married at the time legally, but, you know, and were totally stigmatized sometimes for the families who, when the, Wouldn't accept the it. person died, they would not allow their child's lover or partner of many years even show up at um, memorial services. So one of the things we would do is we would go in as somewhat bodyguards and walk into the memorials. We'd sit in the back so that there would not be a hoopla, but we would do that so that that person could be there. So, you know, I saw this (sighs) on so many levels. And uh, so so that's work I did. Yeah, incredible. Uh, and and really, you know, uh, it's so inspiring to hear this kind of stuff, Judith. But can we go back to the fashion angle as Absolutely. well? Because that obviously in amongst your activism um, became such a huge part of it. So what did you do to help them fashion-wise? Um, well, you know, in regards to um, – are you talking about also my interaction with fashion with people with HIV? Or yes, because that? I think you said to me that as they were dying yes. and losing yes. weight, yes. that you Thank were you, able Sunni. to yes. yeah, go on. <laughs> Well, you know, um, people need to realize that, yes, these, these young men, predominantly gay men um, in early on, were dying but still had – wanted to look good and wear fun yeah. clothes and, and look sexy, you know. I mean, that doesn't diminish, especially when you're looking at 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds, you know. I mean, this was brutal. And um, yeah. so, but remember, too, they were just becoming extremely thin and anorexic, not by choice. And, yeah. and so yeah. there is a, a wonderful place called Esther's uh, Pantry. Yeah. And it was for people that had HIV to get food. But then we opened up, um, um, helped open up a thing called Todd's Corner. And Todd's Corner was when people donated clothes that you could go to and dress uh, yourself. Um, and remember, people had to get go bankrupt in the States so they could get on Social Security so they could afford their drugs. Oh, my God. I didn't know that. Oh, Yes. So people oh, so who had money, this is we have to, we have no health coverage. Remember oh. that, and so it, they would have to bankrupt themselves literally on purpose so they could get access the, the drugs. Thank you to any form of care. Stop it. And so with that came giving up everything, um, and, and sometimes it's even all the beautiful things they had. And so with that said, we would take and and I would go and help dress our residents, and especially when we'd have parties, which we had great parties in our facility. It, you know, I mean, it wasn't all death, doom, and gloom. You know, with that came immense ability to celebrate, yeah. and um, you know, I sometimes would dress people up a few in drag um, if they wanted or whatever and look fun for the Halloween party or you know whatever oh, thing great. we were celebrating 4th of July I mean what you name it we did it and it meant so much you know right to the end right I to the end I totally imagine it did because you know especially when you lose everything and um, in the gay community as we all know the, you know the physical outside thing has always been really important oh. as well and oh, so And also they just need to share their fabulousness. That's right. That's right. And may I say there's nothing more. I mean, if just imagine what our world would look like if we didn't have um, the gay community, especially the gay male community. 
of of just lovers of fashion, designers. Um, and lovers of women. I mean, that's the lo- other wonderful thing about that community. They adore women. Absolutely. You always feel sort of safe enough. and treasured and gorgeous and sexy when you're around gay guys, I, I think. It, it, uh, real quickly, today is my mother-in-law's birthday. She's 97. and wow. And we and she she looks in, uh, like an 80-year-old, and we always say it's because her best friends for life have been a, a whole clan of gay men. Um, and and she says, you know, they've always just kept her very young and in fashion and contemporary. And she's always had a love of fashion, but, it, you know, it's it's so true. It, it, they have been, and to, to this day, people that call her her best friends every day. So, anyway, Oh, that's so, so beautiful. Yes, yes. <laughs> Right. So after you, um, after 26 years, what did you go on to do? Because we'll, let's, we haven't got too much longer and I'm oh dying gosh. to hear yes, yes. about, um, about your activism now around w- women as well. But, but let's, so, yes. so, uh, yeah, take me to the, to the next well, step. Well, you know, what I did, people, I started, I've always loved dressing and, and wherever I was, people, all the workers, especially when I was at Cascade AIDS Project, um, sometimes uh, there would be emails that would go out and say, hey, everyone, you must go and see what Judith is wearing today. <laughs> and it went to it went to inner office mail. Um, and because I just loved, you know, I had um, a lot of my grandmother's clothes, um, considering what most people saved, I got them all. And I just loved it. And every day to me was, you know, my mother used to say, favorite saying, she'd say, you know, some days when you're not feeling good on the inside, make sure you look your best on the outside because you never know you might just catch up. <laughs> that is so true. That is you know, so true that we all know that if we if we look great, you can't help but start to feel great. Absolutely. And it brings joy to the outside world. Not in a, yeah. I mean, a lot of times when I'm out, and to be honest with you, this is how I get most of my clients. If I know I'm going to be somewhere really public, like, you know, with especially some fun event or something, yeah. no matter what I like to dress, but I also do it and walk around with a whole stack of my cards because every Everyone stops and says, oh, my gosh, you look amazing. You look amazing. What do you have on? (laughs) Or, oh, my gosh, I could never do that, but you look great. And I can say, oh, yes, you can do it. Here's my card. Or I hear a lot of the time, um, oh, my gosh, I wish my mother would look like that. And I say, well, you know what? Here's my card. Get her a really great Mother's Day gift, you know. Um, Uh, And, again, I try to to really push against that. And I was so tired of hearing those things. And I happen to be a smaller person. So, of course, the size thing, they say, oh, you know, uh, you're you're so – petite or whatever and I'd say well I'm just a smaller person but that doesn't mean you can't look beautiful in your clothes you yeah. know that that I said if, if you stay within that you know how sad because you really can enjoy looking great in clothes and if you'd like some help here I am. Um, and so that I realized, and I started doing that for my friends all the time. There'd be a wedding. Right. There'd be a reunion. Oh, my goodness. There'd be all, you know, and they would say, Judith, can I come over? And they'd come over with a dress they had or nothing. And then if they were my size or even more, because I collected all sorts of clothes, I would dress them or I would accessorize them. Yes, and I, I was going to say accessories can, can change uh, everything as well. Uh, as we know, there's no size when it comes to 
jewelry and no. watches and or you shoes. know shoes or scarves, you scarves. know accessories <laughs> are, are, are just they're, they're deal changers and fashion changers. Yeah. Um, and they make many uh, blouse very you know in a hundred ways with an accessory. Anyway, with that said, I realized and my friends were saying, you know, Judith, you could do this. You really should do this. Yeah. Um, you know, you're so good at it, blah, blah, blah. And then when I finally retired in 2016, um, I started realizing I should do this. You know, I'm going to start doing this. So it took right. a while and um, I to get my sort of act together. But I started um, doing it for free with friends as a way to test how I wanted to do it what I could learn, all the ins and outs of, right. of it. And I also looked at online. There's there's so many now, so many, my gosh, on YouTube, um, you know, sites you can go to and learn some things. But it, it was instinctual with me. And then I decided, you know, it's time to, to do it. So I came up with Out of Our Closet. I trademarked that. I trademarked Style Activist. Matter of fact, I got my cards and it said Stylist. And I just was like, no, I don't That's want to say Stylist. So I took a red uh, Sharpie um, yeah. and I cross that out and I do it to this day by hand. I, I cross it out and I write, write Style Activist, activist underneath each card. Um, and I'll tell you, that gets a huge amount of attention because they, they <laughs> smile. it does. And they ask, what does that mean? And I talk more. And it really opens up their idea that I am not, you know, um, sort of the normal style by Judith. I say, you know, it's it's a whole other slant. And not to mention, I am incredibly affordable. And I mindfully do that so that it's accessible. I think that word more than anything is something that is very important to me is, is, you know, accessible fashion, accessible monetarily, accessible to wherever you are, your age, um, like, you know, all the above. And um, so that is sort of how it, it, you know, it it came to life. And then a friend wrote an article um, on narratively. It's, a, it's yeah. a, a fantastic online publication about stories about people's lives. And she was a younger woman who's a beautiful writer and said, Judith, you're fascinating. Can I just follow you around in your life for a while? She did for almost two years, taped wow. me, taped me, told my story. You know, on, she wrote an article that went viral. Without me knowing, I had no idea. I'm quite a lot. I don't. Does she have a whole lot of images of you in the in the article? Yes, she. Yes. Uh, during that time too, I took um, found an amazing um, uh, gay gentleman who, for free, because he loved me too, but he wanted to use my images. Took over three thousand photos. We we got down wow. to three hundred, three hundred, and so there's all of me in all of my clothes. And, and yes, because you are you're so amazing. I mean, every time I mention you to someone in Australia, I pull out your website and show the gallery of photos because uh, your style is just fabulous. Well, I love it anyway. It's so much fun. <laughs> and my clothes are so fun and have great history. And so basically they did that together. And then what happened is I got a phone call um, for the Today Show, which is a big morning show in the, in the yeah, States. Yeah, we got it here. We used to get it. Absolutely. So I got on the Today Show for a very small, it was like a four minute, which is long uh, for sound. Uh, yeah, I know. Those. In TV language, four minutes is a long time. Is this with oh. Bryant Gumbel back in that, those days? Or? It was, it was, a, it, no, it was a, well, that's was, the one I remember. We're now talking very recently. <laughs> okay. Um, that happened in 20, beginning of 2018. 
Oh, okay. Um, very much so, because I really didn't, this didn't all happen really for me in, you know, since in a small period of time in regards to yeah, being actually out of our closet. Yes. Yeah. And so then after that, um, narratively called me and said, did you know that you've been in the top 20 stories of ours wow. for the past two years? And, and I said, no. And they said, well, we want to, we want to definitely work with you. And, uh, and, okay. and, and so they've been working with me on the possible production of, of a, some sort of a, a show. Um, but I'm going to be very honest here. It would, it would have been a, a show like uh, queer eye, you know, um, it, it, Those those fashion type stories where they help people do things. Um, And we pitched it. We did a whole thing about it. We pitched it to many of the networks, very small ones, the big ones. And two things they said. They said, first of all, she's wonderful, but she's an unknown. Um, (laughs) They're so pathetic about the fact that they won't take risks, though. (laughs) Oh, oh, come on. It's all monetary. Follow the money. They're like, she's an unknown. Here is a thing that you're going to really appreciate and the audience will, too. And they said, and we're concerned about her demographic, which means. Yep. You got it, darling. Old women. Old women. (laughs) Yep. You got it. And you know what? I, I swear to you, this is not sour grapes. I realized, like, you know. I, that's, it really doesn't matter because I love doing the work I do. And it wasn't, and I'll tell you, you're beholding to the network. And I thought, you know, what if they, I told them I would never fluff my story for them, you know, and, you know, and I also like that. (laughs) Oh, and I said, and I'm not going to put someone, I'm going to get very sort of weird here with this, but I'm not going to put someone who may happen to be in a wheelchair in a taffeta dress and all the worries of someone in a wheelchair, you know, go away and their life is wonderful, you know, just because they're in a taffeta dress. You know, I mean, it's that type of thing. You know, they do a lot of what I call fashion porn on TV. (laughs) That's a good word for it. Well, it's like that, you know, it's like, you know, using someone's, you know, being old which is not a disability, but you know what I'm saying, or being being a a large person or, you know, and then I changed their life because I put them into a a wonderful piece of clothing. (laughs) An outfit for a a few hours. Yeah, exactly. So I knew that I'd be really pushing against that, you know, normative, safe story. Um, And, you know, and everyone's happy and life is good. It's so, and it's also so so United States. I mean, we just, it's, it's so saccharine. They always love to vanilla everything, as I say. Yeah, yeah. And I just realized, you know, I'm, I'm glad I don't have to deal with it because I would have, it would have, I would have been pushing. Oh, I constantly. know, but Judith, I mean, you, I don't know whether you've seen the Iris Apfel, um, <gasps> it documentary. And for anyone who's listening, if you don't know her, you will. When I explain, she's the very old woman. I think she's now a hundred or close no, to a hundred. No, she is a hundred. And did, she's a hundred. She has big round glasses. Black she glasses. wears incredible clothes, incredible. And, uh, and there's lots and lots of media and there's a documentary. I think on Netflix about her. I would love to see you do something like well, that. But you don't understand. I did. You need to hear this. So yes, I'm with a fashion company now um, out of um, California called Celebrating the Gray. And it's yes, nothing that's how but, we met. Yes, Amazing. yes, we, yes. We've got an interview. We've yes. got an interview with her come, um, um, as well in the in the exactly. podcast. And with that said, they got me a gig in New York City, and I was told it's for a 100 year old celebrity. 
And I thought, oh, is it Betty White? And they yeah, can tell true. me, and I and and I, they said no, and I said, is it Iris Apfel? And Stephanie, who is the, our wonderful friend with Silver yeah. and Gray, goes, I can't confirm that, but I can't <laughs> deny that. Ah, so, brilliant. long story short, oh. I got flown into New York, and H&M did a collaboration with Iris. She created beautiful clothes, both yes, sold stunning. in the UK here. Her style, it's both places it sold out in two hours, but check this out. I'm not out. surprised. For the commercial, H&M hired me to basically be Iris's, because she's 100 years old, body and stunt double for the commercial. <laughs> I love it. I so absolutely love it. From shoulders down is my body. It's you. And and, uh, and I actually okay. haven't asked him. This is very rude and you, you don't have to answer. But how no, old no, are no. you now, Judith? I am 68. I am 68. Amazing. Um, and, 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 you know, if you, I'm very, I'm very fortunate in that um, I've been very athletic all my life, and I know that has helped. So I, I, one thing I say to all of my, I have three rules to also a lot of, especially my, my older women clients is number one, please stand up as tall as you can with shoulders yes. back. Uh, number two, move, move. And number three, move some more, um, because it is so important to literally physically feel your body, keep active, and show your show your presence. You know, yeah. You know, and literally, it, and if you're worried about age, when you lift your shoulders and don't slouch, you actually look ten years younger. If that is something you, you would like, and so I mean, I think so much of it also is confidence, and 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 also accepting. You know, accept those damn waddles that that we have under our arms. I mean, if you don't, and if you don't, then 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 enjoy wearing things that, and let's find things that will make the eye go away from that or whatever it is. But I mean, yeah, so much yeah. of it is really, you know, I, I, I take no more prisoners these days. And I say that way that, especially when it comes to being in, 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 especially in the States, a really patriarchal white male world still. And I now just lovingly, sometimes not just don't even ask my presence. I just say, please just step aside. I have things I need to do. Um, and, and, you know, and when you get to that point, it's like, it doesn't matter. And you need to, sh and you need to show that in how you look in the world and yeah. not, not hide both inside and out. And I, I, I really urge that to everyone listening. You have not only that, it's a damn right. It's a right to look good in your clothes, in your Absolutely. body, and in the world. You are presente and don't disappear. Oh, Judith, this has just been such a great chat. I can't wait to share this interview with people. You are uh, absolutely incredible. I just wish you lived in Australia so that I could see you all the time. Well, listen, we'd be doing more than that. You and I would be making some real good trouble. Um, I but think I hope so. I think we so. can continue on in any way I can help the amazing work that you do. I've looked at so many of the things and podcasts you've done, and it's so important that you know what an honor it is 
for me and the fact of how you not only do it, but you mindfully elevate and create new journeys and directions for many women. So thank you, Jules. Thank you. Oh, Judith. I mean, coming from you, that is seriously high praise. So um, my my pleasure. Now, if anyone wants to get hold of you, um, what is the best way for them to do that? Do you want to tell them your website address and uh, is there a contact you on the website or what's the best way to get hold of you? Um, You can contact me. Website is the best. Um, And that's um, out of our closet. um, Dot com. Dot com. Yes. Great. And and Judith uh, Rizzio, I also have an Instagram, which is at out of our closet PDX. That stands for Portland PDX. Right. Airport abbreviation. Um, uh, But I would love that. And I have done, especially with COVID, many styling over Zoom or just consultation. Or I've I've looked at people's closets in the UK, (laughs) in, I swear, in UK, in in Russia. Um, Russia, that's a good one. Oh, it was wild. Very well. That's wild. a good one, Russia. Yes. Um, and, 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 you know, various places, yeah, in London and different places around. So it's been a, it's been a real treat. Oh, in Australia. Um, not, absolutely. And, and what a joy. What a joy it is because, um, you know, in, there's a universality of, of, of beauty and the, the loves and the challenges and all of it, no matter who we are and where we live. You are so right. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of She's the Boss Chats. For more information and to find out about our other initiatives, including our weekly lunch for female founders and our TV show, go to she'stheboss.com.au.